Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode. I'm Alicia. And I'm Sierra. And this is Cold Brew Crimes. Um, we're going to start part two of our Lacey and Scott Peterson episodes. We had a lot of information, so we kind of had to do it in two parts. So this part, we're going to go over the autopsies and everything after the bodies have been found. So when we left off, we were talking about the concrete anchors and how the defense said that um, it was the same concrete, but the prosecution said it was not. So they basically, the jury had to decide, and obviously they decided that it wasn't and that Scott made extra anchors. But So for the autopsies, Lacey's autopsy revealed that she had never given birth. Her birth canal remained closed and there was no evidence of anyone performing a C-section. There was also no evidence of a coffin birth, which is where the bot, like the baby can be birthed after the mother is dead. But since her birth canal was closed, obviously that didn't happen. Um, they stated that Connor was pushed out of Lacey's body through a tear in her upper abdomen due to the currents in the water and decomposition of her body. It was evident that her body was more decomposed than Connor's and had been in the water for a longer time. She was found with barnacles attached to her body. Her body essentially protected Connors. There was a storm the night before their bodies were found on April 12th, so they believe that the roughness of the water from the storm detached Lacey from her limbs and head and pushed Connor out of her body. Connor's autopsy would reveal that he had meconium in his bowels, so this was further proof he was never birthed. His body like stated above, was in considerably better shape than Lacey and was in the water for probably about a day. As for the twine and tape found on his body, the bay was littered with trash. Which Scott even said that he went to a trashy island. He was telling the truth about something. So I guess it could have wrapped around him from that. On April 18th, 2003, DNA confirmed that the bodies found were in fact Lacey and Connor. Scott Peterson was apprehended in San Diego at the Torrey Pines Golf Course. At the time of his arrest, he was found with bleached hair and a bleached beard. He was driving a red Mercedes and had various odd items in his possession. These items included four cell phones, his brother's ID, some Viagra, a small hunting knife, and mis miscellaneous camping gear, and $15,000 in cash, as well as a photo of he and Lacey. Scott's explanation for these items were scrutinized by the media and police. He claimed that he had his brother's ID because he was a San Diego resident and so he could use the ID to enter the golf course for free. As for the cash, it's reported that Scott's mother was listed on an account that Lacey and Scott shared, so when she went to the bank and withdrew money, they accidentally pulled it from Scott's account instead of hers, so she was paying him back. He also claimed that he bleached his hair and beard because he was under constant 24-7 surveillance from the media, and he was just trying to limit his noticeability. I don't think he was trying to flee. His, he was from San Diego. His family lived in San Diego, and he was driving a bright red car. No, if you were trying to leave, you would have went, like, undercover, like, the little raggedy-looking car in his truck, the yeah. normal, like, everyday type But you of wouldn't wait until the bodies were found. No, you would have deuced out before that. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't really think he was trying to flee. I think he was actually in San Diego, like, with his family. But, I mean, I don't know why he had some Viagra and hunting gear and camping gear and whatever else. But, I mean, people keep weird stuff in their car. On April 21st, 2003, Scott was 
arraigned and charged with two counts of murder. He pleaded not guilty. The judge decided to move the trial 50 miles from Modesto to Redwood, California. This was an attempt to remove the possibility of any tainted jurors and an attempt to be sure Scott was provided with a fair trial. On June 1st, 2003, Scott's murder trial began. He was represented by a high-profile defense attorney named Mark Garagos. Garagos was up front and stated that Scott Peterson was an ass. He acknowledged that not many people would like him, but said that this does not make him a murderer. He brought up the fact that there was no solid evidence linking Scott to the murders. There was no crime scene and no evidence of a cleanup. There were no witnesses claiming to see Scott dump the body into the bay. They went over Scott's timeline of events and statements and tried to prove the impossibility of Scott having committed this crime. The lead prosecutor was Rick DeStasso. He had the job of providing, without a doubt, Scott Peterson committed this murder. He had to convince a jury with only circumstantial evidence that Scott was absolutely the only person capable of committing this crime. The prosecution claimed that Scott killed Lacey on the 23rd and dumped her body on Christmas Eve. They showed all the evidence pointing to Scott and played the tapes of the phone calls of he and Amber for the jury. Rick DeStasso also brings up the fact that Martha Stewart had a segment on meringues on December 23rd, not on the 24th. This is when Garagos wheels a TV and plays a short clip that aired on the 24th about meringues. While Martha Stewart did discuss meringues briefly on Christmas Eve, she actually had an entire segment on the show the previous day. You know what that reminds me of? When, when you were in school and, like, the teacher didn't want to do anything, so they, like, wheeled in the TV cart. Yep. That's how you knew it was going to be a great day. <laughs> and, you know, he us. felt, like, probably so cool wheeling that thing in there. And he's like, look at this. That's how I, like, see it in my brain. During the search warrant in one of Scott's sheds, police found the cover to the boat, wet and smelling heavily of gasoline. Good way to hide the evidence. Hmm. As well as a blue tarp, the boat cover... Had a small chunks of concrete in it. The defense chose not to call any of the witnesses who had claimed to see Lacey on Christmas Eve morning walking her dog. None of these witnesses had actually ever named Lacey. They'd all just said that they saw a pregnant woman walking a brown dog. The woman could have easily been anyone, any pregnant woman, including Kristen, who resembled Lacey and had a brown dog, who Scott himself saw around 9 a.m. The defense knew that these sightings were not credible and chose not to allow it in court. Scott's family has this, like, sighting map where people have claimed to see Lacey, and it was, like, this huge map, like, all over the place. So if Lacey could barely walk after prenatal yoga, how is she walking around, like, an entire neighborhood? Exercise, trying to get that baby out. And then everyone said that they saw her between 9 and 9.30, which Scott himself said that Lacey was home with him. So I think that the defense knew that these people would not help them. That's why they weren't allowed to be in court. Like, the defense didn't want them there. Yeah, that makes sense. But Scott's family portrays it as they were left out purposely to make Scott look bad. Even he, though, he already makes himself look bad. Yeah, he doesn't need any help with that, <laughs> honestly. So, right now, I want to bring up the controversy around the robbery of the house across from the Petersons. There is solid evidence that it actually did occur in the early morning hours of December 26th. The homeowners were still home on December 24th when the robbery was reported to have taken place. And even on the homeowner's insurance paperwork, they had stated that the robbery happened on December 26, 2002. The robbers apparently had solid alibis for Christmas Eve, pointing even further that it had to have occurred on the 26th. 
The robbery suspects were arrested on January 2nd and were never named by police as suspects in Lacey's murder or people of interest. Another point is that if it wasn't Scott, then who did it? Scott left his house at 10.08 a.m. Mackenzie was found and returned at 10.18 a.m. This was verified by a receipt from the neighbor. She went to the store after finding Mackenzie, so calculating her drive time and receipt, it is proved that she found the dog at 10.18. That is a 10-minute window for something to have happened to Lacey. Also, if Lacey was mopping when Scott left, as he claims, at 10.08, does that mean she just immediately put down the mop and went to walk the dog and something happened to her in 10 minutes? Like, if you're mopping the floor, you're not going to sit there and be like, you know what, I'm going to stop and walk the dog. Why wouldn't you walk the dog before you started mopping the house? Because dog's going to walk, like, All track right. everything inside. Why are you mopping if you have a housekeeper? <laughs> if I had a housekeeper, I would not be doing any housework. If you're pregnant, I'm pretty sure if you would have been like, hey, can you walk the dog for me? They would have walked the dog. Or why didn't Scott walk the dog instead of... Or why didn't Scott mop or walk the dog or go shopping? Or do all of it. (laughs) Why are you making your pregnant wife do all this stuff, Scott? Explain yourself. Again, it has been proven Lacey was very tired and could not walk for long periods of time at this point in her pregnancy. It's not likely she would have chosen to walk the dog, mop the floor, especially because their housekeeper had mopped the previous day. Another point brought up was that Scott's boat was only ever used in calm freshwater lakes. Scott had a tackle box full of freshwater supplies, and he was not experienced with saltwater fishing. His boat was so small, so why would he take it to the San Francisco Bay, knowing how bad the currents were because he looked it up? There were 12 freshwater environments closer to his house that were probably more secluded as well. So if he wanted to dump a body and get away with it, why wouldn't you use one of those options? So that works like in his defense, because they can say, look, there are these 12 places closer that Scott could have went and dumped the body and no one would have ever seen him. So why wouldn't he do that? Unless he was looking to see how rough the currents were that hoping like it would flip the small boat. So he could just say that he made it out, but she didn't and he couldn't find her and she drowned. But he never claimed to bring her fishing. He claimed she was at home. Well, it would have been smarter if he would have said that she went fishing (sighs) with him. Well, clearly... If he truly wanted to go fishing, why not go to one of these places? You're used to fresh water. You're used to calm. Like, you have no experience. And if you truly want to spend your Christmas Eve fishing away from your pregnant wife, who's doing all the house chores, why wouldn't you go somewhere closer? What if she goes into labor and you're an hour and a half away and she doesn't even know you're an hour and a half away? That's another point. I'm mind boggled. Scott, you're an idiot. (laughs) The prosecution and defense both called fetal experts to the stand. The defense's expert claims that Connor's time of death couldn't have been any earlier than December 29th, while the prosecution's expert said that Connor's time of death had to had to have been between December 23rd and 24th. I want to discuss the many searches of the bay that yielded no bodies or evidence. If Scott had used the cement anchors as the investigators believed he did, then it's very likely that they would have never found Lacey. The waters are rough and murky, and they actually had lost a sonar tool during one of the searches. Even knowing where they lost it, they couldn't see it or find it in the water. So it's not unlikely that there, that Lacey was there for months and that they just couldn't find her. So he was smart about something. But my question is, if he only made five weights... And they had one of them at the warehouse. How did he, like, how did he tie them to her limbs and her head that you would need five? 
So did he make six? Or did he, like, maybe tie the legs together? That's what I was just thinking. If you tie the legs together and then one on each arm and one on the head, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that he thought if he dumped her in the bay that no one would ever find her. Or that she would wash out to sea. Because I think it connects. Or the fish is probably what ate her or something. Yeah, I think, I don't know. Sharks eat, like, people. (laughs) I don't know if there are sharks in the bay. I don't know either. Anyway. On November 12th, 2004, the jury found Scott guilty of first-degree murder with special circumstances for killing Lacey and second-degree murder for killing Connor. The penalty phase of the trial lasted from November 30th to December 13th, and the jury gave Scott a sentence of death. On March 16th, 2005, Scott was sentenced to death by lethal injection and was remanded to San Quentin State Prison. Scott Peterson has maintained his innocence for the last two decades. His family has worked tirelessly to prove his innocence. He has filed countless appeals and even attempted to get a new trial due to juror misconduct. The judge denied his request for a new trial in 2022. His death sentence was overturned and he was moved off of death row. His sentence was changed to life in prison without the possibility of parole. This year, in 2023, Scott's family is still fighting for a new trial. They submitted six points of new evidence and claimed to have a confession from two two unknown men claiming to be responsible for the abduction and murder of Lacey Peterson. Scott's counsel has until December 1st, 2023 to respond to the judge. So apparently his sister-in-law is saying that somehow they got a, um, a confession from two men saying that Lacey confronted them while they were burglaring the house. So they had to kill her. And then apparently five other pieces of evidence. You had to kill her. I had no choice. I had to kill her. But the but the people who owned the house said that the robbery happened on the 26th. So at that point, Lacey was missing. Unless they were friends of Scott's. Who killed her? No, the ones that robbed the house across the street. Oh, no, they, they were arrested. They were like some old drug addicts or something. For years, I have searched this case. I've watched, listened, and read everything I could and all the details on this case. I was convinced that Scott was innocent. And I thought, based on the sources I had, that all his all of this proved Scott's innocence. But after Tara came to me with evidence and sources, I did a deep dive and realized that everything I knew was wrong. And I'm also going to say I did a lot of research for this case, but Tara helped me out a lot. She was sending me a lot of, like, sources and links and a lot of good things. So, thank you so much, Tara. <laughs> um, I don't think that I'm 100% convinced that Scott is guilty, though. Like, if I was a juror... I don't think I could have sentenced him to death. I feel like I would still have a little bit of doubt. I still think it's interesting that between 1999 to 2002, seven pregnant women went missing um, around the area and that Evelyn Hernandez was found in the bay three months after Lacey and Connor were found. I don't think this proves Scott's innocence, but it's just something that I think about. Yeah, that leaves more questions for everybody. Yeah. Um, All of the true evidence definitely points to Scott. I mean... You took your umbrellas, you left them in the truck, like, just all of the actual evidence. The voicemails. Yeah. What did you think of the voicemail? It's kind of like he was, like, trying to cover his tracks. So, like, if someone came and was like, well, let me see her phone, he could say, well, look, I tried to call her, I left her a voicemail at this time. 
yada, yada, yada. I mean, he had the PlayStation pull up, like, voicemails without your phone being there. Well, they had her phone. Unless he was, like, gonna do something to her phone where they could just say they were gonna look it up in, like, the computer or something. That's probably why he left the time. I don't know why he left the time. I feel like he wanted people to hear it because he's like, look, this is where I'm at at this time and this is what I'm doing. But it made him look more guilty because you're not gonna call someone and leave the time. The phone tells you the time. And if you're planning to go to your in-law's house for dinner, you're going to be like, babe, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm running late. I'm going to be there at this time. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was probably just, like, nervous. And he was just, like, trying to, like, hey, you know, it's this time. Like, I, like, I don't know. Like, he was probably just so nervous. He was just, like. It's definitely suspicious. Throwing stuff everywhere. I don't know. This is absolutely the definition of a circumstantial case. I do think. That the media played a huge role in the case because, at you know, it gained nationwide attention, national news coverage. Everyone knew about Lacey and Scott Peterson. Everyone knew about Scott's affair. And if you, if say I go missing and then everyone's already kind of like suspicious of my husband mm-hmm. and then it comes out that he's having an affair, you know, you're going to be even more suspicious. I will say though that him a few weeks before she goes missing saying that you lost the love of your life or you lost your wife or whatever and this will be the first holidays without her and then you know she goes missing right before the holidays yeah kind of like he spoke his mind a little too soon like it's basically saying that you're planning this and then you start looking for boats the day after you're confronted that your mistress is going to find out about your wife also i have some issues with amber fry okay there's no way that you didn't see any of this news coverage for weeks. I guess it was only one week. Unless she's not, like, a TV person. I guess. I don't really watch the news. I get all my news from Facebook, but I guess in 2002. I get from my mom. <laughs> yeah. I guess in 2002 there wasn't Facebook. I don't know. I just, it's, it's fishy. I feel like she had to have known something. And, like, how, I don't know. How do you not know your boyfriend is married? Like, what do you think he's doing all the time? And what did Lacey think he was doing? Just watch him play boy. <laughs> what did Lacey, what do you, like, what do you think he told Lacey? Like, what, all the nights that he spent with Amber? Could have said, oh, well, he didn't have a boat at that time, so maybe he couldn't say he was going fishing. Maybe, like, a work trip or something, the most common excuse. That or he had to finish something up at the shop. But, like, overnight? I mean, he was staying, like, days with her. He stayed for, like, two or three days at one point. He was, like, accompanying her to, like, birthday parties and freaking Christmas parties and putting up a tree, like. Could have said he was going out of town for a job. To sell some fertilizer. (laughs) Probably. I don't know what that entails. (laughs) I mean, he had to come up with something. He had to come up with something. Do I know a fun fact about this case? What? Okay, so Jillian Flynn, the author of Gone Girl, said that um, her book was inspired by this case. Like, loosely, obviously. Have you ever seen Gone Girl? No, with th- Ben Affleck? No. I read, like, the book, like, a while ago. It's a really good book. I didn't even read it, the whole book. If you read the book or if you watch the movie, there's a lot of, like, similarities. Like, in the movie, sorry for everyone if you've never seen it, I'm about to ruin it for you. I- I'm not going to ruin it. I'm not going to ruin it. I'm not going to say the ending. Obviously, the endings are very different. But in real life, Scott gets home, the dog's in the yard, right? Yeah. In the movie, Ben Affleck gets home. His name... I don't, I don't remember his name in the movie. It's it, They're not Lacey and Scott, obviously. It's just loosely based. Um, 
But so in the movie, Ben Affleck gets home and his wife's missing and their cat is in the yard. And then like in the movie, they own a bar. And then like in real life, Scott and Lacey did own a bar for like a very short period of time before they moved back to Modesto. So there's like a lot of like little similarities. And it it's also very strange because Ben Affleck and Scott Peterson look a lot alike. Like a lot alike. So I wonder if they chose Ben Affleck because of that. I'm going to have to go and watch it now. You should watch it. It's very interesting. It's something to think about. So Sierra, everyone that I have ever known obviously knows that I have thought for the longest time that Scott is innocent. Now... I'm leaning more towards the fact that he's guilty. All of the evidence proves that he's guilty. There, He is basically the only person who have done this, right? Mm-hmm. So at the l- end of the last episode that we took down, you said that you were unsure whether he was guilty or innocent. So how do you feel now after hearing all of this evidence? I think, I, I, I think he did it. That or if he, he probably did it and had someone help him. Maybe, I don't know. No, he did it. He did it. I'm very convinced that he did it. Because one was the voicemail. Like we talked about, why would you leave a time? Which makes no sense to me. Why would you have gasoline on, what was it, the tarp? Yeah. Why would you have gasoline mm -hmm. on the tarp? If she had concrete anchors to her, why would there be like the exact same thing in your shop? Why would you take two hours to go find tape? Yeah, I want to know what he was doing for those two hours. I, I, He never gave, like, an explanation, but Brent did say that it was odd that he was gone for so long. I think that there's just so much evidence pointing towards the fact that it was Scott that there it's it has to be him. Whether he ever admits it or not, he's, for the last two decades, he's, he's maintaining his innocence. He's saying that he did not do it. His family fully supports him. Lacey's family 100% believes he did it. Most of the world believes he did it. And after hearing all of like this and going over the evidence in more details, um, I feel like it's impossible to have been anyone else besides Scott Peterson. But I want to know, it's been, so he, this happened in 2002. It's now almost 2024. He has never once slipped up to anyone. He's got to keep his mouth shut then. You know how most people at least tell, like, one person? He's never told anyone. He maintains that he had nothing to do with it. I don't know. Unless Um, he's got, like, two, like, personalities within himself where he talks. (laughs) One did it. (laughs) Unless maybe he has, like, I don't know. I feel like if he did confess to, like, anyone in his family, I don't feel like they'd be fighting so hard for his innocence. But maybe. Maybe they're shitty, too. They claim that they love Lacey and want to find out what happened to her, but I don't know. I guess we'll find out in December if anything happens with his new appeal and um, request for a new trial and all the evidence that they submitted. They're supposed to have a response by December 1st, too. At that point, it's only a few weeks away. So if there is anything to update, we'll do an update episode. Um, You guys can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. We'll post pictures from the case, and then we'd love to hear your guys' feedback. The only reason we redid this case is because Tara commented on our post and gave me some very compelling evidence that I had never seen before or that was left out of the last episode. And throughout the last few days, she has been such a big help um, doing some research and sending me all the research that she already had. 
and um, I'm just very thankful that she commented and gave us the information so that we could put out a better um, episode to truly tell the stories of Lacey and Connor. So thank you guys for listening and you can join us next week for a new episode on a different case.